0: Welcome to the Fantasy Football Diagnostics Podcast, where we provide you with your weekly diagnosis of everything fantasy football. Whether it's season-long leagues, Dynasty, DFS, or even IDP, we got you covered all season long. Well, welcome to episode three of the Fantasy Football Diagnostics Podcast. Uh, This is part two of a four-part series. Uh, Today, we're going to break down... Uh, our top three running backs. Take a look at our running back sleepers, our running back busts, and our running back breakouts. Greg, how you doing today, buddy?
1: Doing okay, man. Uh, chilling here, um, ready to go. Got some running backs, some juicy stuff now, so I'm excited.
0: Yeah, yeah man. Everybody's getting ready for their draft, so you know uh, the running back position is the one that everybody cares the most about. So, um, yeah, I guess let's let's get to it. Um, so top three running backs uh seems that you and i um had a highly rated player um rated in the same spot uh and that's new york giants running back saquon barkley we both have him rated as the our number three running back um i mean i'm gonna let you take this one because you know you're you're the resident giants fan here so tell us why your, uh, your beloved Saquon Barkley is, is not number one on your
1: Yeah, list. you know, Saquon is uh, clearly the best player on, on the Giants roster. Finished last year's RB2 in fantasy, 261 carries, 1,307 rush yards and 11 touchdowns. Just had 91 receptions. That was a rookie record last year. Uh, with 721 receiving yards and four touchdowns. So he had over 2,000 total yards, actually, with uh, 15 total touchdowns. The man's, you know, the best pass catcher on the roster. Uh, along with being in the lead running back, he's a total workhorse. Uh, he's also a huge safety net for Eli last season. He was uh, 30th in average depth per target last year. So uh, Eli was that check down king that you needed, you know. Um, majority of his soap passes, they all went to Saquon. And, you know, he just, I think he's also not affected by game script, which is important. Uh, if you look at his fantasy points per game last year, he they were higher in Giants losses. Um, the reason why I would probably put him third and not take him with my first overall draft pick, just because maybe the impact of Odell not being there anymore. Um, if you look at his games last year without Odell, he had almost four points lower uh, scored fantasy points per game versus when Odell was in that. So it's probably the slight downgrade I give him. That's why he's not number two and number one, but he's still a stud. He's still a guy that can do what he has to do for your team every week in and week out.
0: Yeah, Greg, I mean, I, I agree with everything that you said there. I I just, when, when it comes to Saquon, I have my reservations, and it, and it really just comes down to the team. Um, I mean, we understand that Saquon is a great player, but as you touched on the the games without Odell, um, there's obviously a dip in the production, uh, and I think that we're going to see a, a Giants team that is going to miss the presence of, of a player like Odell Beckham, um, a player of that caliber that, uh, Forces defense to pay defenses to pay attention to him and and provide him extra attention. Um, last year Saquon Barkley, um, he he saw an average of seven defenders in the box. Uh, I I would I would see I would expect that number to probably creep up to um, the league high last year was seven point three. Uh, I would expect that number to creep up um, a little bit a little bit higher. Uh, and again that's that's not a huge it's not a huge, um, jump at all. It's just that I, it's just that I'm expecting this Giants team to, 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 face a little bit more, uh, attention and Saquon Barkley to face a little bit more of that attention. Last year, he was a rookie running back. Um, you know, teams really didn't, didn't have enough film on him. Um, they didn't really see his style of running and, and what kind of player he was and how he liked to make certain cuts or, or do certain runs. And, and now that I, I think that teams kind of have have that in place, um, they they kind of not have the book on him per se, but, you know, they, they kind of are going to have a plan in place to, to stop him and make sure that he's not the the threat that he was. I mean, again, 91 catches, 261 rushing yards, or 261 attempts, that's workhorse material right there. Absolutely. Um, but like, like I kind of, you know, alluded to you earlier with, like, you know, it's within the range of outcomes that, uh, you know, we're sitting there in, in week week thirteen and it's fantasy playoffs and and the Giants are you know two and eleven or three and ten and and um, Saquon Barkley has a you know an ankle injury or he's nicked up in any way you know why would the Giants uh, sacrifice the future of their franchise and Saquon Barkley at that point? So you know th- those are other things that we need to consider. Um, you know, like I said. Uh, you know he's 91 catches that tells me that he's he's almost game script proof um, but you know if I have to choose between uh, if I'm choosing the number one overall pick um, he's not going to be my guy even if I had the number two overall pick he's not going to be my guy um, you know but at three he's still a good enough player that with all the all the questions I have about him he's still a good enough player that I would I would still take him extremely highly in the draft
1: yeah for sure he's, he's going to be a very really good player uh, I just think the top two, as we know, we have kind of the same. They're just reversed. Kamara and McCaffrey are just better than I guess for this year, better outcome.
0: Yeah, I mean, when we're t- we're talking season, we're talking season outlook here. Um, you know, we're talking uh, who we want in our lineups every week, and, and especially, you know, the thing is, is if you take Saquon Barkley at number three overall, or if you take him number one overall rather, and he finishes to number as the number 3 or the number 4 and five player in fantasy. Are we going to sit here and say that he was a bust? No. No, right? But at the at the end of the day, um, you know, if if he's this is a guy that is the the universal 101, um, depending on the format that you're playing in, um, you know, he he's seen as the guy and so, you know, if fantasy owners approaching their drafts or having this conversation, um, these are just things to consider, so yeah, and if
1: you do look at his ADP, it is one on one, so it can't go wrong actually take one.
0: yeah, no, of course not. So moving on, like like Greg alluded to, um, yeah, we have a difference of opinion here, um not a major difference. It's just just that uh, we have these guys kind of flip flopped. so um I mean with with that being said, I guess. Greg, I'm going to tell you why you're wrong mm-hmm. and why Christian McCaffrey is the um, should be the, the number one player in fantasy, the number one running back taken off boards uh, in the next coming weeks. Um, so I know we all like the biggest thing that we like about our running backs is that we want them to be on the field, right? Um, well, Christian McCaffrey led all running backs last year with a 94.5% snap rate. All right, so this guy's playing on almost 95% of the snaps, and with that, he was second in fantasy points per game amongst the the running back position. So this guy, not only was he on the field, but he was productive when he was on the field. Um, And, you know, some things to, some numbers to throw at you, Um, you know, did you know that Christian McCaffrey led all running backs in targets per game with 7.8? And he also led all running backs in catches per game with 6.7, and he, he was the only running back last year to average at least six catches a game. Um, and, Greg, Michael Thomas is pretty good, right?
1: He's pretty solid. Definitely an elite wide okay. receiver.
0: Alright. Yeah, I would say he's an elite wide receiver. Um, Do you know that last year only two players in the entire NFL had over 120 targets and at least an 85% catch rate? And I know that you know because you, you alluded to it on our on our first pod that um, Michael Thomas has an 85% catch rate. Yes, he does. Uh, but Christian McCaffrey has an 86.3% catch mm,
1: rate. That's impressive. <laughs> that's
0: impressive. Um, so, I mean, granted, again, context. They play different positions. Christian McCaffrey's targets are a little bit safer than Michael Thomas's targets, but it just shows you the level of efficiency that you're getting when you draft a player. Like Christian McCaffrey. I mean, loss on the fact that he caught 86.3% of his targets is the fact that he had 120 targets, right? Um, and he was eighth in the in the entire league regardless of position. He was eighth in the entire league with 107 receptions. Greg, if I told you that your starting <laughs> wide receiver, your wide receiver one that you were going to draft in the first or second round was going to get 107 receptions, you'd sign up for that, I would right? totally
1: sign up for that. Give me that any day.
0: Okay you're getting that from a starting running back, right? So not only are you getting the rushing production, but you're also getting basically a full-time wide receiver, right? Christian McCaffrey was one of of four players in the last 10 years to score at least six rushing and six receiving touchdowns. So that just kind of goes to show you the the level of of production that this guy has, the impact that he has on his team, right? And then, you know, you could tell me, all right, well, you know, what about the threat of Cam at the goal line? Well, guess what? Christian McCaffrey had 57.5% of the team's red zone rushing attempts. That's the seventh highest among all players, and only five players had more than 60%. So you're still getting elite goal line opportunities when it comes to Christian McCaffrey. So again, you're getting the full package. You're getting somebody that's going to be involved in the, in the, in the passing game. You're going to get somebody that's involved in the rushing game, and you're going to get somebody that's involved in the goal line with the top, with the top or the top of backs in the league.
1: He, he's he's the man. He's definitely, I will want to say, prior to the safest pick in the draft. I
0: mean, it's
1: no argument who's getting the ball on all three downs. I don't think C.J. Anderson is going to affect him in any way. They know who the man is, and they don't plan on taking him off the field. So, McCaffrey's that guy.
0: Yeah, I mean, like you said, you hit the nail on the head. Christian McCaffrey, to me, is the safest player in the draft. Yeah. You know, you, you you put a guy out there, he's going he's gonna to get you um, seven – seven, almost eight targets a game. He's going to get you almost seven catches a game. And by the way, he happens to be his team's starting running back.
1: (laughs) And probably his team's best wide receiver, too.
0: (laughs) Exactly. When we talk about a floor, this guy has it. And when we talk about a ceiling, this guy has it. You know, this guy can go out and get you, you know, kind of like we alluded to last week. He can get you, you know, 15 points just from the receiving production alone. And he can get you 20 points from the rushing production. And if you're in a full-point PPR league, Christian McCaffrey is basically a cheat code. Yeah, that's that's something. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, he's basically a cheat code. So I don't understand. I if I had the 101 in in you know any format, actually, to be honest, um, I would probably take Christian McCaffrey. And I I wouldn't even think twice about it. You know the the we like we always say with our first round picks, our, and our second round picks too, but most especially with our first round pick, we want to hit. Um, we don't care about hitting home runs. If we hit a home run, it's nice. But we we just want to hit. We just want to hit, right? So like, with our tw- with our with our, you know, our the number one pick in the draft or a top three pick in the draft. If we walk away with a top five, top six player, that's good enough to 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 make us a playoff team, and have us contending week in and week out. So he's about as safe as you can get.
1: Yeah, you, you hit on a nail there. And you got all the. Big areas for McCaffrey to be that number one pick. McCaffrey had 13 total touchdowns, but you know who had 18 total touchdowns last year? The man who should be the number one pick in the draft, Alvin Kamara. Kamara had 18 total touchdowns, 14 from his rushing, and four receiving as well. He's just a stud, both in dual threat, just like McCaffrey. Um, he's the prime example of that guy who could do that. I remember I alluded to him in the first pod. Uh, about how the absence of Mark Ingram is going to help him out because last year he averaged 29.7 in Fanduel scoring uh, points per game when Mark Ingram wasn't in, and that's in the same number. Uh, Just move to that. Also, if you look at the people that are up for the number one pick, so McCaffrey, uh, Kamara, uh, Saquon, and then with the contract, Zeke, most likely. Of those four teams, the best offense is the Saints, So you would think he would get the most opportunity to score most touchdowns this year. Uh, Last year, he had the second most carries amongst running backs in the red zone. So, again, he's getting those opportunities to score. And, yeah, of just those 194 carries that he got, yeah, 51 of them was in the red zone. That's an insane percentage. I just think this year he's going to be a freak in nature. Um, Latavius Murray is there. I'm not going to ignore him. Latavius Murray is a guy that has had six rushing touchdowns in the last four seasons, each of the last four seasons. Latavius Murray has had at least six touchdowns. That's pretty good, actually. Um, so I could see him getting some touchdowns here or there. But I think Kamar uh, is just as safe as you get Justin McCaffrey, and I think he just gets that slight edge for me over him.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with everything you said there, Greg. Um... You know, Kamara is an absolute stud. And just like, but kind of like what I said on um, the first episode is that to me it comes down to a question of of will he ever get this back this this backfield to himself? Um, and and you know what? Maybe he he doesn't. The thing I know about Alvin Kamara is he does not need this backfield to be entirely to himself in order for him to be a, a top flight fantasy producer. Right? Last year he was a top five running back. Uh, without having a backfield to himself, as a rookie, um, I think I'm pretty sure he was in the top seven amongst run, amongst fantasy running backs, um, and he didn't have that backfield entirely to mm-hmm. himself. Um, and like you like you said, you know the games without Mark Ingram, you know this guy averaged 29 fantasy points per game in half point PPR leagues. The guy was an absolute stud. Um, it's just if I want that week in week out every week floor, I don't even want to think about it. I don't want to think twice about it. Um, you know, not that you'll ever have to think about Alvin Kamara again. Um, you know, I, you can't go wrong with, with with either one of these guys, right? You know, these two guys are absolute studs. They're going to be uh, used within their offense. You know, Sean Payton uh, is is one of the greatest offensive lines that we know. Uh, he he knows how to get players in space, and Alvin Kamara is just an absolute freak of nature. Um, you know this guy's contact balance, his his ability to evade tackles, his vision. Um, the guy kind of makes runs that you know people shouldn't shouldn't be making. Like, yeah. He makes cuts in the backfield that that people shouldn't be able to physically make on on their ankles. Yeah, sure. Right? I think him
1: and Saquon so... are like the top two <laughs> in that area. For
0: sure. Yes. So so, you know, this guy while he doesn't need um it, like he doesn't need an amazing workload, you know, 350 to 400 touches to be efficient because he's just efficient. That's yes. what he is. Yeah. Um he he's he's an outlier in that way and um, you know, I'm I'm not going to bet against him. It's just that if I have a choice to make, and you know, um, in some leagues somebody's gonna have this choice to make, uh, you know that's that's this the only reason why that's the only reason why I would lean Christian McCaffrey. It's just you know the presence of Latavius Murray and, and the presence now of um, of Rodgers. Rogers. Yeah, you know not that you know they're relevant; they're extremely relevant in any way. It's just. Again, there's a it's a possibility.
1: And you know, people always say Kamara's like probably never gonna get over that 200 carry mark. But if you look at Drew Brees' numbers, his his volume of passes goes down every year. So you think those passes are gonna turn into more rushing opportunities for maybe Kamara? He can get over that 200 yard, 200 carry mark this season.
0: Yeah, I mean, now that we're talking about Kamara, I, um, I don't know if you've seen this, but have you seen Sean Payton's been Kind of coming out saying Alvin Kamara's not gonna get these touches and he's not gonna have this workload,
1: Uh, yeah, every like all the time. You champagne,
0: right? Yeah, so he's been saying that, and I know he told us that last year. Um, and he and he kind of said that, oh, well, you know, while Mark Ingram's out, you know, Alvin Kamara won't be the featured back, or we won't use him like you guys think we'll use him. Then he went and did the exact opposite. It
1: leads to winning games. So, like, you got to, you know.
0: So, so a part of me, right, and, and you know, I'm, I'm going to halfway contradict myself here. But it's like, is there a possibility that Sean Payton could be, like, trolling us on this one?
1: Uh, <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I don't know. I just, maybe he's. He probably wants that to happen. He doesn't want to use his guy that much because he knows he has like a really bright future ahead of him and stuff. But when the game starts, you're just like, "Oh man, I really gotta give it to the best player on the field." So, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I guess we just kind of have to side with that and just yeah. kind of hope that you know, if you if you if you do make that decision to draft Alvin Kamara number one overall or at the top of your draft, um, you know. Uh, It's just if this guy was to get 100% of that backfield to himself, it'd be be, be ridiculous. It'd be
1: absolutely ridiculous. It
0: would be a season like we've never seen before. Yeah, yeah, for sure. In this offense, it would be a season like we've never seen before. Yeah. Um, This offense runs through Alvin Kamara, runs through Michael Thomas. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, those guys make up a large portion of the offense. So. Like the thing with Alvin Kamara is you never have to worry about him being game scripted out. That'll never be a concern for you because whether they're they're leading and they're they're they whether they're leading that means they gotta lead. If they're behind, that means he's getting involved in the pass game. And in that division, they're gonna be in a ton of shootouts um, with Carolina, like Christian, or you know, along with Christian McCaffrey uh, against Tampa Bay and against Atlanta. You know, those are all games that are gonna be. High over unders, high totals, and and you know it's it's nice. It'll be nice to have a piece of those of those games.
1: Yeah, basically we're saying hopefully you get one, two, or three in your draft, the top pick.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah. But basically, if
1: you're at yeah. four. you're, yeah. you're screwed.
0: Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, all right, man. So uh I guess let's move on. Let's move. Let's move on to the to the juicy stuff. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, let's let's go on with the breakouts, man. Uh, all right. I guess you 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 started with the Saquon, and you just finished you just wrapped up with Kamara, so I guess I'll jump into my. Yeah, definitely go for it, man. Um, all right, man. So last year, uh, Jordan Howard <laughs> was a second round pick. He was. That, uh, if you drafted him like I did, uh he probably burned you. <laughs> um, not probably, he most definitely burned you. Um, so maybe some people have a bad taste in their mouth about Chicago running backs. Maybe, possibly, I don't know. But to me, um, if you haven't guessed my breakout by now, it's it's Chicago Bears running back David Montgomery. Um, and to me, this one's about opportunity, right? Uh, opportunity and a Matt Nagy offense. Uh, according to 444.com, the Chicago Bears are fourth in the NFL in vacated running back touches with 17 per game, right? Um, And since the offseason, they've traded away Jordan Howard. Uh, They've acquired – they've added Mike Davis. Um, They've also added former, I guess, wide receiver, running back, offensive weapon Cordero Patterson, Um, and he's going to fill a running back role. And then third-round rookie david montgomery um and if you're not familiar with david montgomery again he's a rookie he was drafted in the third round he was touted as a third round a three down back coming out of iowa state uh, pro style uh type of running back he could be used in passing downs he was a good pass blocker Um, and like i mentioned before the bears they traded jordan howard and then they trade up to the third round to get montgomery Right. And like last time we talked about contracts and the importance of contracts and how teams can't lie to you when they're handing out contracts. Another time team can't teams can't lie to you is when they're drafting, Right. Um, Because how they how highly they draft a player, um, if they trade up to acquire that player. Right. Um, The Bears gave up a 2020 fourth round pick to move up 14 spots to draft David Montgomery. Right. 14 spots. That's does that's, that's not a lot of that's not a, a ton of spots to move up, um. But a twenty twenty fourth round pick that's that's a pretty big you know that's a pretty big investment, right? So, team trades up to the third round to draft a player. I'm kind of taking note of that. That shows me how badly they wanted that player. And all throughout the draft process, this guy I was getting compared to Kareem Hunt, right? Oh, and who's the head coach for the Bears? That's right, Matt Nagy, who used to coordinate the the Chiefs offense uh, when Kareem Hunt had his breakout rookie season, right? And then through all of that, Matt Nagy then makes the Kareem Hunt comparison himself, right? <laughs> so, um, like, Matt Nagy, I, I believe he wants to use a featured back. If you look at last season, early last season, even um, those first three or four weeks, Jordan Howard, he was he was getting 15 to 18 to 21 touches a game he was trying Matt Nagy was trying to use him as a future back. Matt Nagy was trying to target him in the passing game, but then around week 5 it just flipped. Right? It just flipped and Tariq Cohen all of a sudden uh, was getting more snaps. He was getting more usage, he was getting more carries. He was being more involved in the offense and you know, with this high-paced offense that Matt this this high-paced offense Matt Nagy wants to run, Jordan Howard just didn't fit it. Right? So so I believe that uh, Matt Nagy, he he went out. He got the running back that he believes fits his offense. He got the running back he believes uh, reminds him of Kareem Hunt, who he had as a rookie in Kansas City. Uh, so, you know, I, I believe that to, the presence of Tariq, Tariq Cohen doesn't really scare me. I view him more as an offensive weapon. I don't see him as a featured back like, like a David Montgomery. Um, I think that, you know, Tariq Cohen was – was used in the backfield a lot last year or just as a, from the running back position and, and a lot of the running back uh, carries last year because uh, Matt Nagy didn't have his guy. But I, I ex- fully expect David Montgomery to be the future back, and he should be in line for both of the the 17 touches per game that that is vacated by the Chicago Bears backfield. I get it. Yes, he's a rookie. Yes, it's within the range of outcomes that he ends up at a timeshare. But I like this offense and I want the running back that's in it and I want the one that I believe is gonna be the featured back. And I believe that I believe that that's gonna be David Montgomery when it's all said and done. And again, he's going the end of the third round, that's about expected. That's the price that rookie for whatever running for whatever reason, rookie running backs not named Zeke Elliott, Saquon Barkley. That's that's the range that they go in. The second the second, usually third round. Um, so, you know, this is fine, but I usually like whether it was Kareem Hunt or, you know, go years ago to, to, um, or a few, a couple of years ago to Leonard Fournette or Christian McCaffrey, or even many, many years ago to Doug Martin, um, you know, running backs for one reason or another, uh, rookie running backs, they tend to be undervalued and they tend to go in this range. And every time, most time, more often than not, they outproduce their draft position. And I expect David Montgomery to do just that.
1: Yeah. David Montgomery's a uh, pretty solid choice. Um, definitely expect that Bears offense to be high scoring and everyone should be eaten, I would say. Um, when you talk about your breakout, I got to think about a guy. talked about him already before. Keep calm and carry on. I uh, got to keep it going with him. His ADP is quickly, I would say, rising. Um, he's a very hot pick right now, uh, going to RB13. So that's like the end of the third, second round, the turn of the third. Um, again, Comparisons to Le'Veon Bell. I've been saying that since he was in college. And this Lions offense has 264 touches available. There's no Le'Garrette Blount. There's no Theoretic now. I, I think the ceiling's just too high for Kerryon Johnson. Uh, all that opportunity he's going to get carrying the ball and also passing, his passing ability, is going to be shown off this year. Uh, the ceiling's, again, the ceiling's just too high to pass up on. Where he is, He's a guy that you're going to be drafting, bona fide stud. In the first or the second round, um, yeah, it's carry on Johnson all the way for me as a breakout.
0: Just so we're clear, you say when you say first or second round, you mean next year, next right? year,
1: correct? <laughs> yes,
0: okay, yeah, no, I would expect, I mean, I expect that for carry Johnson, I expect that for David Montgomery as well. Um, but like you said, that, that's that's a sort of, with, with Garrett Blunt on, Theo Riddick on, um. I definitely expect carry on to, to, you know, take advantage of the opportunity, take advantage of those touches. Um, you know, there's already been talk that Matt Patricia wants to make this a, a more run-heavy offense. Um, you know, in the past, uh, Jim Bob Cooter, who'd been the offensive coordinator for the Lions, had been one of the, uh, past hev- the, one of the past heavier uh, offensive coordinators in the league. Um, Matt Stafford was always averaging in the last five years. I believe he averaged about five hundred ninety pass attempts. Um, so I, he was that's almost six hundred pass attempts in a season. Um, that equates to about almost thirty-seven pass attempts a game. Um, and, and so, if you imagine that, you know, some of those pass attempts become rush attempts and you know, even the chunk of those pass attempts that, you know, remain pass attempts, if those go to carry on as opposed to, you know, Theoretic who's no longer there, then you would you have to imagine that, that this guy um is gonna be is is gonna be in the, the top fifteen of, of all running backs at the end of the season.
1: Yeah, for sure. He's run his resonance rate should go up, his resul touches his touches in general are gonna go up. Um we talk about another maybe breakout guy, I think Chris Carson, I think you can't ignore him where he's going right now. He is a guy that gave you at least 1,100 rushing yards last year and nine touchdowns while missing two games. Like that's a value at running back you can't, uh, you know, you can always, you know, can't get always. So he's going at the bottom of round five. Turn well, bottom of round four, turn around five. Seahawks want to get him involved in the passing game. You know. the coach of the Seahawks, Pete is always talking up his players, either for good or for bad. He's always talking them up. He makes his <laughs> players so juicy all the time. Um, and no, Doug Baldwin, he retired. No, Mike Davis. So I think he has added PPR value as well. Chris Carson for sure.
0: Yeah, this is here's the thing with Chris Carson for me, um, and I, and don't I I like Chris Carson. I like him at his draft stock. Um, when I'm when I'm drafting, I'm going to draft him at that range. Like you said, a starting running back for, um, you know the Seattle Seahawks, one of the not only one of the top offenses in the league, but one of the the run heavier offenses in the league last year. Uh, why wouldn't I want to take the starting running back? You know, Chris Carson, he's a big physical back. He's he's a stud. Um, you know, Pete Carroll was showering him with praise, saying, of course, he'll be involved in the pass game, and Chris Carson has the best hands on the team, which is. By the way, Pete Carroll's crazy. Yeah, man,
1: Pete Carroll. <laughs> like,
0: he's He's at, like the amount of praise that he gives guys is just. Absolutely yeah,
1: everyone's crazy. a Hall of Famer, on his team, though.
0: Yeah, everybody. <laughs> um, but no, back back to Chris Carson. I mean, he he's a stud, and I like you mentioned. Um, you know, no, uh, no Doug Baldwin, uh, no Mike Davis. Uh, I I. I I expect a lot of that work or most of that work to go to Rashad Penny, um, who's going, I think, in round seven right now.
1: Uh, Yeah, slightly after Um, him. Uh, You said what? I think he's going right now, seventh round. Yeah, running back 32. Yes.
0: Yeah, he's going in the seventh round. So, um, you know, I think that – I, mean, I think that's fine too. Um, the only thing is though with chris Carson is the, the guy runs so physical um, you know the he he does he does not shy away from contact and he does and he's just always sacrificing his body uh, and so like you said he missed two games and I think that's part of who Chris Carson is um so it's it's well within the range of outcomes that uh, Chris Carson ends up on the shelf for you know some period of time, and Rashad Penny, who you know I, I like we I just touched on before um, when David Montgomery, you know draft capital is important. Rashad Penny was a first round pick last year, you know Seattle drafted this dude with the first round pick with I think it was 18th overall if I'm not mistaken. It was pretty I remember it was pretty crazy when it happened, um, but you know this is a talented running back. This is a, a running back that. Um, you know, despite what Pete Carroll might say about Chris Carson being the, having the best hands on the team, I think Rashad Penny. If, uh, you know, if you gave him truth serum, he probably. If you gave Pete Carroll truth serum, he would probably say Rashad Penny was a better uh, pass catcher <laughs> than Chris Carson. Um, but you know, I, I think there's a there's it's within the range of outcomes that Rashad Penny finishes this this year as the. As the the primary running back on Seattle, yep. um, and I think and I think that's kind of th- that that range of outcome is, is what's baked into Chris Carson's draft price draft price. Because if you look at it, he's going, you know, um, he's going behind David Montgomery. He's going ahead of guys like Mark Ingram, Philip Lindsay, Sony Michelle. Um, Josh Jacobs is going a spot one spot ahead of David Montgomery. So that whole range of running backs, they all have questions right whether it's um, the rookies and, and Josh Jacobs and David Montgomery or whether it's um, or whether it's the the question of, of, of the role with Chris Carson and Mark Ingram and, and Philip Lindsay or in the case of Sony Michelle it's health right so I think the questions about Chris Carson are kind of baked in his, his draft price already and, I, and like you said I would just pull, I'd pull the trigger if I if I went wide receiver heavy or I went running back two receivers um. You know, where I went three receivers in a row. I'm I'm pulling I am totally comfortable pulling the trigger on Chris Carson.
1: Yeah, I'd, I'd be very happy if I'm sitting at the end of the draft on Chris Carson. With my running back too, so I'd be pretty solid. All
0: right, man. Um so let's see, what do we got next? I think we got
1: these sleepers or you no know, or a bus, either one.
0: I guess we could go into bust because I, you know, we we're we're in this range. Uh, we're talking about Chris Carson. There was a name I kind of skipped over. I don't know if I did it, um, if if I did it subconsciously. You know, my my, <laughs> my subconscious wants me to make good draft decisions, so I, I didn't I skip right over this player on the board. Um, but my bust is Derrick Henry. Um, he's currently the four hundred two, um, and and you you rattled off. Uh, Chris Carson's numbers—they sounded pretty good. Eleven hundred yards, nine touchdowns. Very right? solid. Um, solid, right? Derrick Henry last year ran for a thousand fifty-nine yards and twelve touchdowns. That's yeah, really it's solid. solid. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but there's a problem with that, Greg. <laughs> the problem with that is that Derrick Henry, of those one thousand and fifty-nine rushing yards, and twelve touchdowns. Derek Henry ran for 585 rushing yards and seven touchdowns in the last four games of the season. During this time, he finished as the RB1, the RB1, the RB12, and the RB21. Wow! Uh, I tried to write down the rest of his finishes, but I didn't want to uh, continue vomiting <laughs> on the laptop because they were in the 50s and the 60s. Um, so just to put that in context, 55% of his... Season total rushing production came in four games, right? And if you even want to look at that closer, because uh, there was the you know the game where he you know the two hundred yard game where he stiff armed a dude and ran for four touchdowns. Um, he ran for four hundred eight yards and six touchdowns in just weeks fourteen and fifteen alone. <laughs> so yeah. So again, five hundred eighty five rushing yards of the ten fifty nine in four games, and then four hundred eight and six touchdowns came in two games. So um, last year, there was a phrase that was, uh, that was being used, and it was called it went something like, uh, during the week one of fantasy playoffs, there was a phrase that was something like, I got Derrick Henry. Yes,
1: exactly. <laughs> and
0: for most people, exactly. I got Derrick Henry didn't mean that you actually went against Derrick Henry. It meant that you lost your fantasy playoffs with Derrick Henry and his 50 points on your bench. <laughs> and again, that was the right decision. Because the weeks prior, Derrick Henry during weeks four to 13, he averaged nine carries for 37 yards. And he scored his remaining five. That's when he scored his remaining five touchdowns. So that's a 16-game pace of 596 yards, right? So just 10 off of the four-game production, the output he had in those four games. Um, And then you might say, all right, well, that's because they didn't give him the ball. And so they started giving him the ball, you know, during those last four weeks, and that's why you saw the uptick in production. But in the, the start of the season, you know, weeks one to three, Derrick Henry averaged 15 carries a game. His carries in those games were 10, 18, and 18. His yardage output in those games were 26, 56, 57. So they tried this, and it clearly didn't work. And they went to Dion Lewis, because Deion Lewis provided them with um, you know, more, more versatility on the offense, right? And then at the end of the season, uh, Derrick Henry got hot and they rode him, rightfully so, right? Um, but to me, it's within the range of outcomes that Titans are trailing more than they'll be ahead next year. And so to me, that means Derrick Henry is going to be game scripted out. Because even if you want to take his record-setting um, stretch where he had 585 yards and seven touchdowns in four games, he had three pass targets. Three pass targets in those four games. <laughs> so that tells me that that's a guy that is completely one-dimensional. Um, that's a guy that's prone, he's prone to, be, to be game-scripted out. Um, and then on top of all this, he's got you know Deion Lewis in his own backfield, uh, who we already know is a more than capable pass catcher. So when you consider the floor with Derrick Henry, that it's, it's almost non-existent. <laughs> and he's going off the board as RB21 in the as the second pick in the fourth round, I'm sorry, but that's a hard pass for me. Um, I, would, I would much rather prefer David Montgomery, who's going one spot ahead, uh, Chris Carson, Mark Ingram, Phillip Lindsey, who are all going after him. Shoot, even at their respective prices, I might even take DeAndre Lewis, round 13, because this is a guy that we've seen be productive, both as a runner and as a receiver, out of the backfield, um, I, the Titans, again, like I alluded to before, I don't see them winning a ton of games. I don't see them leading in a ton of games. So um, I, I just I, – I, I can't find any reason why I want to draft Derrick Henry.
1: Yeah, uh, Derrick Henry, I guess – yeah, that was that was a pretty <laughs> – you trashed it pretty <laughs> bad. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, so Derrick Henry, you said he's going for guys like Chris Carson, Mark Ingram. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I think I would take those guys over him. And, of course, my sleepers, which we get into that, I'll take them over Derek Henry as well. Um, I'm probably not going to trust this guy as much as Derek Henry. Tariq Cohen is my bust. Uh, I think... Yeah, I just think the reasons you were talking about David Montgomery is the reasons why he would not succeed as much as he did last season. Um, Scored at a pretty high rate last year, I would say. And, again as well with David Montgomery, who you alluded to before. They also signed Mike Davis, who will take away some of those targets from him and David Montgomery combined. Uh, I just think that there's people around that area that have a more defined role. So, like Lamar Miller uh, is going there around that area. To Tevin Coleman, who, you know, there's no more Jerry McKinnon. He's going on IR, so Tevin Coleman now has a pretty good value there. I think his wire just increased a little bit. Um and I think you can maybe take Rashad Penny. We just talked about him around the area as well before a guy like Tariq Cohen. So that's my bust pretty much. Not as bad as Derek Henry though.
0: Yeah, I mean Tariq Cohen, um I, I while I I, I I hate to say it, um I I, I completely understand why he's your bust. Uh, I mean I'm, i I love Tariq Cohen. Um I, I think he's a great player. Uh, I mean, the guy's nickname is the human joystick. Um, so, you know, you got to love him for that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, his, his role is not defined enough to warrant going in the sixth round. Um, you know, especially, like you said, you know, guys like Lamar Miller, Tevin Coleman, um, even a guy like James White, caught a ton of passes last year, um, or, you know, guys going after, like Miles Sanders and Rashad Penny, um, two guys that have potential starting upside, Um, you know, if anything were to ever happen, or Miles Sanders, I don't think he doesn't need an injury to get, to to become a starter, you know, that's somebody that we probably, um, uh, I mean, I don't know if either one of us are going to bring him up, but. He, he's someone that could be pegged as a potential breakout going forward. Um, this time next year, uh, he was definitely close to being on my list. I just um, I just went with David Montgomery over him. Um, but you know, back not you know, backtracking back to uh Tariq Cohen. Uh, yeah, it, it, his role is just not defined enough. I still love the player. I, I think Matt Nagy is creative enough to to create a role with Tariq for Tariq Cohen. It's just that when you consider, you know, David Montgomery, who's, who's my breakout, um, and you consider the, the receivers that they have, with Alan Robinson and Taylor Gabriel and Anthony Miller, and then they've got uh, Trey Burton at tight end, and then they've got Adam Shaheen at the other tight end spot. There's just a lot of mouths to feed in this offense. But, you know, like we've talked about uh, last week with Arizona, you know, I want a piece of this offense, and um, you know, Tariq Cohen again, kind of expensive, but um, there there will be some teams where I have Tariq Cohen um, at that price just because some of the ways the ways that roster might be constructed. If you know, if I'm in a full point PPR league, uh, Tariq Cohen uh, he's someone that uh, I'm probably a little bit more interested than, uh, but yeah. I, I don't know. It's hard to argue with you there. Yeah, for sure.
1: And the full PPR league definitely has some good body. He reminds me of that Chris Thompson kind of player. Um, yeah, they'll be. He's a good football player, so he's gonna definitely help the Bears out on a positive impact. For sure.
0: Yeah, this might be a case where you know, and this happens a lot in fantasy football, um, where you know this guy he might be a, a, he might help the Bears more in real life than he helps our teams in fantasy football. Just because his his mere presence being out on the field, um, offenses have to account for him. You know, it's been talked before how he's kind of Matt Nagy's Tyreek Hill. I know that that floated a lot, that floated around a lot last year. Um, I don't think I don't see him having. Obviously, he's not gonna go be the team starting wide receiver. But I, I I know what they what what they were trying to say when that was said. Um, just on the style of player and and their short area quickness and how. You know, they're pretty versatile in their own ways. Yeah, for sure. So, um, you know, I, I, I trust that he'll help the Bears' offense. It's just, you know, they might not relate. It might not um, correlate to fantasy, to fantasy production, so.
1: Yeah, let's, let's get to these sleepers. Sleep time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, yeah, so my sleeper is Peyton Barber. Ooh. And... Uh, I don't have a whole lot of numbers and data and science and and um, you know all that jazz to kind of back up this claim for Peyton Barber being my sleeper, but uh, it's plain and simple, man. I'm not a fan of Ronald Jones. <laughs> 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 uh, he's going he's going at the eight eleven RB forty, uh, and I don't believe that he's his team starting running back. You're not the only one that feels that uh, way.
1: So. You said what? Definitely not the only one that feels that way
0: no exactly right so um you know as fantasy owners we got to be savvy um we we've got to kind of you know recognize a situation when it's when it's kind of happening to us so we got to be able to kind of read between the lines and and read the tea leaves as as we see fit um and so again ronald jones didn't do anything last year to prove to any of us that he's a uh that he's a a, a good football player, right? Or that he'll be even remotely fantasy productive. Um, And this is a quote that I I got from uh, Bruce Arians back at the start of training camp. He, in reference to Peyton Barber, right, so they were asking him about the running backs, and Peyton Barber came up and and he said, quote, "Um, he can pound it, and that's what we like, to set up play action. He fits what we do. He's steady. And then when talking about the other running backs, he said, quote, they fit what we like to do. Or when he was talking about the running back position as a group, as a whole. So when I read between the lines there, I kind of see that he's talking about Peyton Barber, right? He's already said that he likes what Peyton Barber can, he likes uh, Peyton Barber's play style. He he fits what they like to do. Um, And he likes to, he likes a running back that's physical, that's going to pound it up in there, that's going to, um, that's going to uh, be able to help the help the offense set up play action, and the, the other thing about about um, Ronald Jones is that this this is a guy that that gained ten pounds, I think it was. I think it was more than that. Uh, I don't
1: know. It was more yeah, than that, right? Ten to twenty, maybe. I
0: thought, it, yeah, it might have been it might have been closer to twenty, um, and I've been playing fantasy for a while now, and uh, typically when I see a running back gain weight that. Never results in in good production. You're um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so like, typically, I want to see it the reverse. I want to see a running back lose some weight. You know, um, then I would like you know, uh, help, like to see them come back in better shape. Uh, so when, when a running back puts on some weight, that already kind of tells me. Because uh, questions about Ronald Jones were really, that he was he was undersized. Right. Ronald Jones went to the combine, I think he was like hundred and ninety hundred and ninety five pounds or something like that. Um, but you know, teams felt that he was a little undersized. So this guy came in and tried to put on some extra weight. Um, again, I just I just wasn't I wasn't a fan of Ronald Jones last year. I'm not a fan of Ronald Jones this year. Um, Peyton Barber was actually productive as uh, he was productive in stretches as the Tampa Bay starting running back, and again, I'm not expecting. Um, when I say that Peyton Barber is a sleeper here, a sleeper here, I'm not. Pro- I'm not projecting him to finish as an every week starter and to, um, you know, significantly outproduce his his price of his round ten price RB forty eight. But um, one of the the most important things about fantasy is that, especially when we're drafting, we have this, you know, this season long this season long outlook on our teams. Right. But um, more often than not, you're going to end up cutting 50 percent of the players that you draft. Right. And, you know, it's at least 50 percent. Probably end up cut, dropping more of them or cutting more of them. So um, when I'm getting to round 10, I want guys that are going to help me win weeks. Right. So a guy like Peyton Barber, um, you know, the running back position, is, is, it's hard enough to find running backs as it is. But if I can get a starting running back for an NFL team. Um, in round ten, just to have them on my roster. Um, again, you know, I like to tr- I like to think of running backs as currency, because um, when when it's the when it's week four, or week five, and that team in your league doesn't have a starting running back, they'll they'll do anything to get one, <laughs> just to get an inkling of one, right? So uh, maybe uh, Peyton Barber, somebody that uh, through the first four games this season, maybe he's having a good season, and you could flip him. For something else, um, you know, try to upgrade at another position or, you know, maybe try to do a two for one, including Peyton Barber. But I don't, again, like I said, I don't expect him to be an every week starter, but this is somebody that's going to be useful um, during during the season uh, and help us win some weeks.
1: Yeah, for sure. And you got to expect him to be on a good offense. Uh, Tampa Bay, you know, Bruce is there. I think they can only help him far as his growth and his opportunities when they get to the red zone and stuff like that. Um, so I guess my sleepers are not as deep into the rounds as that. It's more, I think these receivers are running or running backs are going like wide receiver three level when they should be bona fide running back, three? running back three. I don't know why I keep saying wide receiver three, uh, running back threes. Uh, they can end up being bonafide running back twos and maybe low end running back ones. So Sony Michelle and James White, uh, right now, they're going RB25 and RB26, uh, respectively, in about the fourth or fifth round. The Pats are a uh, run heavy team. They're, they rushed more last year uh, in their route to the Super Bowl. We all know they won the Super Bowl again. Tom Brady, he threw only two passing touchdowns. So that wasn't really a very Tom Brady esque run, I would say. He had three interceptions as well. So they're a team that relies on the run. These two. Running backs are both pass-catching backs as well. Um, if you ask me if I had to choose one, I would probably take Sony Michel. Um, the reason because of that is that 42 of his carries last year were in the red zone, and also 27 of those were inside the 10-yard line. That's both six-month running backs in both categories, and he didn't play three games. So uh, the production is there for him, definitely in the red zone. And you can make the case for James White as well. The man always gets his receptions. That man is the definition of consistency in this league he's had at least 55 receptions in the last past three seasons he finished rb8 last year rb8 in half point ppr for fantasy he finished above guys like david johnson above joe mixon who are actually going in round one and round two so both of these guys are going in those mid rounds who i think you'd be thrilled to get as your rb2 and as a flex play they can win week through as well
0: yeah uh, I, I I like I like I like the, the Patriots running back situation obviously because I like the Patriots offense the Patriots are always tops in the league in points per game um, they're always one of the best offenses in the league um, and if you you know Patriots running backs are always finding the end zone that's a team that's consistently in the red zone um, so you know Sonny Michel uh, having so many red zone attempts doesn't, doesn't necessarily surprise me. It's just, I have questions about each of these backs at their current ADP. Um, Sonny Michelle, it comes down to health. Um, you know, this is a guy that uh, he had off-season knee surgery. Uh, the Patriots thought so highly of, of Damian Harris that they drafted him in the third round, even after spending a first-round pick on Sonny Michelle last year. Um, so the, you know, the presence of Damien Harris kind of scares me a little bit, but you know, if you were to tell me today that Sony Michel will be the, the, you know, barring injury will be the, the Patriots primary running back. then obviously, of course, you know, I'm going to sign up for, you know, fourth round pick all day. Um, James White in the fifth, he's, you know, he's interesting. Cause he, you know, like you said, he, he was RB eight and that's a, that was a very quiet RB. Yeah, definitely. You know, um, you know, the guy had 87 receptions last year for 751 yards. So we're sitting here talking about, um, you know, the greatness of Christian McCaffrey for catching 100, 107 balls and the greatness of, um, of Saquon Barkley for catching 91 balls. So, you know, James White caught 87. Um, so, you know... He's someone with the fifth round ADP. I think that that's kind of his ceiling, right? I mean, not obviously it's not his ceiling, um, because he he finished RB eight, but I think you know drafting him in the fifth round, you know, they're not he's not going to go any higher than that, right? Um, I think it says according to the fantasy football calculator the highest that he's been drafted is the four hundred three. Okay. Um, so. I don't know. Still below your boy, Derrick Henry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so definitely mm-hmm. below Derrick Henry, but it's just, would you draft him over a guy like, I, I guess, would you draft him over Phillip Lindsay? I wouldn't
1: draft him over Philip Lindsay, but I think I would draft him over Mark Ingram, though.
0: But he's going to spot over Tevin Coleman.
1: But yeah, I wouldn't take him over Tevin Coleman, though. I guess there's some guys on that list I would and wouldn't. So I would drop Derrick Henry and I would drop Mark Ingram. Let's still keep Tevin Coleman and maybe Philip Lindsay above James White. Just because of the situation. Tevin Coleman's probably stock is going to rise, especially with this Jared McKinnon news coming out too.
0: Yeah, no, especially, yeah, most definitely with the Jared McKinnon news. We're going to see Tevin Coleman's ADP probably hit, you know, round four, maybe start to creep up to round three as we get later and, you know, closer to September. Um, But I don't know. Just it's James White. Round five, it just seems a little rich. Hmm. But
1: interesting.
0: Um. Interesting. Oh. No, I mean, I again, I agree with the the this, the Patriots running backs as a whole. Like that, you know, if, if if you were to take the aggregated Patriots running back, you know, season total production, it would it you know finish as a top five, top six running back yeah I just don't know which one it's gonna be and what week that's gonna be right
1: <laughs> right yeah I think either one as your you know, like, flex play would be you'd be happy with that um no and... of
0: course i mean there were there were weeks last year with Sony Michelle and uh james white were weekly flex plays so. yeah solid flex plays
1: um, like said and forget
0: solid it. solid weekly flex plays um so again yeah i mean and you know especially with with gronk out um you know question that the Patriots have questions at receiver i th- i think James White's usage in the past game, you know, is it, is it possible that it goes up?
1: <laughs> I did, yeah. It just it just will will always be there, and I think I wouldn't be surprised if yeah. he finishes in the top twelve RBs again this year.
0: How high would you rank him above, like a Chris Carson? Would you rank him above Chris Carson in a full point PBR league?
1: In a full point PBR league, I guess I put him. Right, right there. I think I still take Chris Carson. Um, right. Yeah, I still take Chris Carson.
0: Yeah, I would still take Chris Carson as well. But it, it yeah,
1: it's super close.
0: Yeah, it's it's really close in a full point PPR. Yeah.
1: yeah. for sure. Another deep sleeper I want to mention, uh, Devin Singletary, from the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah, he drafted out third round. Uh, you know, shady. He's thirty one. He had a. a pretty low year as far as his carries his rushing yards and his yards per carry at 3.2 it's not a very good number for shady shady's going in the 10th round this year so i just think more for the opportunity that devin singletary could get throughout the year he's impressed people in the camps um i think he's a good late round sleeper right now It's going around round 11 that can have the starting job by the late end of the year and could be a league winner
0: yeah no um no, I, I like Devin Singletary a lot. He looked really good in the, in the Bills' first preseason game. He's he's a guy that is uh, good as a runner and a receiver. Um, you know, he, like you said, he's going in the tenth, the middle of the 10th round, in 10.07, looks like, in half-point PPR leagues. Um, so, you know, he's basically yeah. free. Yeah, free. <laughs> um, and, you know, I look at a situation in Buffalo where you got Sean McCoy, who's – you know, up there in age, you've got the ageless Frank Gore, who's 36 <laughs> or 37, however old Just
1: forgot is. he's in the league again.
0: Um, <laughs> yeah, right. And then, um, you know, TJ Eldon, who didn't have a great preseason game the other day. Um, I think I think Devin Singletary is definitely going to be in line to take this backfield over. Um, you know, he's maybe it's midway through the season. Um, maybe it's, it's, it's not going to happen right away. Um, but again like if i if i had the extra roster spot or if i was you know picking late and i didn't have any other pressing needs um, you know I would just take him and, and stash him away on my bench and and just kind of hope um, something comes to fruition because you know these running backs uh, especially as we get to the later rounds they become like lottery yeah tickets. those lottery
1: yelp yeah, them Nick Childs of the world
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah they become they become lottery tickets so if you can get a, if you can get a running back, you know, this late in the draft and, you know, kind of hold on to him, um, you know, throughout the season, C- you know, hopefully, you know, you draft a good enough team and, and, you know, you have, you have an extra spot on your waiver wire to kind of burn or extra spot on your bench to burn. But if you can, you know, s- you know slide Devin, a guy like Devin Singletary into on your bench or a guy like Justice Hill, um, you know, onto your bench, then. You know, I don't see why not. Yeah, even the map,
1: mapyetta um, with uh Jeremy Kinney now too. That episodes as well too. Oh yeah,
0: now I mean, this whole this. I mean, the running back landscape's kind of you know ever changing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Justin Jackson, in round eleven as well. Um, Kaylen Blage is someone who doesn't get a lot of love. I mean, but uh, Kenyon Drake's ADP is sliding. So, uh, you know, is Blage is someone in round ten? that I'm intrigued by, you know, he's a big, he's a big running back, 6'2", 230, Um, you know, ran 4'4", he was involved in the pass game, you know, Arizona State coming out of college, Um, and and he's, he was, he's been running with the ones uh, pretty much all summer, Um, so, you know, I'm curious to see you know, how the rest of the preseason shakes out for, you know, running back like Kalen Balazs. Someone else that we have to mention, um, otherwise we'd be doing everybody a, a disservice if we didn't, is uh, Dallas Cowboys running back Tony Pollard. Um, and I guess we haven't touched on We didn't touch on the Zeke the Zeke news the last time, so I, I guess let's kind of get into it. Let's kind of get into it now. Um, but uh, if you haven't heard, Uh, Zeke Elliott, uh, Dallas Cowboys running back is uh, He was expected to return August 6th From his holdout But he's since told the Cowboys That he will not return this season without a new contract Uh, Everyone kind of thought that Zeke would be back this year Because uh, he he would need uh, He needs one more year to get that accrued season Um, But one of the things that I guess Kind of flew under the radar was that because Zeke Elliott has the, f- the fifth-year option that Dallas guaranteed him for 2020, um, he basically doesn't need to play this year, and he can come back in 2020, get that accrued season, and he basically would be in the same position that Melvin Gordon is in today, where he would only have to play six games in 2020 and then get... Um, and then he would, he would be... Able to achieve free agency, unrestricted free agency the following year. So, because of that little, um, you know, I guess, wording or verbiage in in the contract for Zeke Elliott, he he's able to stay out this entire year. So, um, he, That's he's signed. He's con- It's 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 really crazy because um, now you know Zeke Elliott's. He's worse than the know Mel- He's worse than Melvin Gordon, if you ask me, in this situation because, at least we know Melvin Gordon. Uh, he wants to. He wants to be a free agent next year, an unrestricted free agent. So Melvin Gordon is. He's gonna have to come back for six games at some point, right? Um, but Zeke Elliott doesn't have to come back at all. And the the only thing that I I would imagine, well, the only reason I would imagine that Zeke Elliott plays for the Cowboys this year, um, the only way I, I see that happening is if if Jerry Jones and the Cowboys pay up. Um, It's gonna be hard
1: to do with Dak asking for forty mil.
0: (laughs) Yeah, uh, I would. I said I would have asked him if Zeke's price was included in that. Yeah, word. (laughs) Um, but yeah, no, it's it's it's, and it doesn't seem like you know. If you asked me a week ago, I would have said, "Oh yeah, Jerry Jones is gonna budge because you know the Cowboys need Zeke." But if you listen to Jerry Jones. He'll tell anybody that doesn't listen that will that's one to listen that the Cowboys don't need Zeke. No, nice. um, he said
1: it before, yeah. He's he's pretty adamant so, with that.
0: So with that being said, um a guy we have to talk about is, is is rookie running back Tony Pollard, um, who's been running as the primary running back for the Dallas Cowboys. Um and currently his his ADP is the thirteenth round. He's the eighth pick in the thirteenth round, but he's Quickly shooting up, um, draft boards. He his highest draft position has been the nine oh one, um, and if you look at, um, yeah, his he's he's moving up draft boards and and he's been getting the uh, all the first team reps. And if you, even if you caught, uh, I, I caught the the beginning of Dallas's preseason game, um, this past weekend, and Tony Pollard got. He got that that starter treatment, starter preseason treatment, where he you know he played a series, he touched the ball three times, and you didn't see him for the rest of the game. Uh, um, yeah. So this is somebody that they they clearly view as as the starter. of Zeke Elliott's not going to play, um, you know, just a a background on Tony Pollard. He went to the University of Memphis, um. He, along with Daryl Henderson, and and there was another running back that went to the University of Memphis last year. But basically, Tony Pollard um, was the third leading rusher on his team. Um, This is a guy that was used as a. uh, He was used as a. He was was the team. He was Memphis's primary kick returner and punt returner last year. Um, And he was profiled as like a, a pass catching back. Um. Which is interesting because this is a running back that's six foot, two hundred and fifteen pounds, two hundred and ten pounds. Um, so you know guys that are profiled as kick returners, punt returners, and pass catchers tend to be smaller. But this is a guy with with you know you know pretty decent size at six foot, two hundred and ten pounds. Um, he ran a four, five, two, 35 inches in the vert with a one twenty one broad jump. Um, so you know, it's pretty. He's moderately explosive. Um, so I, I mean, behind this this Dallas offensive line, I mean, I think I think I could run behind the Dallas offensive line. <laughs> um, so I, I mean, yeah, I, I think that you know, 13th round. Um, you know, he's definitely someone that we have to we have to be getting late in drafts uh, in, as we monitor the Zeke situation. Because like we said, running backs are lottery tickets and. Um, if you know week two the Dallas Cowboys starting running back was to end up on the waiver wire I think that he would be the number one waiver or we would see teams spending 90 to 100 percent of their FAB budget to get him so you know, I think we should we should be drafting him in, in, in the later rounds
1: so. yeah I think everyone's trying to look for that James Conner for this year um, so that situation and uh, the the Melbourne Gordon situation is definitely one you gotta keep an eye on those handcuffs so yeah,
0: yeah. all right, Greg. Well, I mean, uh, unless you got something else, I, I'm good on that note.
1: Yeah, no, running backs, I think we summed that up. Uh, everyone should be running back experts now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, guys. Well, again, thank you again for listening. Um, we are now live on Spotify, Stitcher, and Apple iTunes. Um, so if you want to give us a follow or leave us a review, if you if you really like what we're saying, um, you really like the feedback that we're, um, you know, the things that the, the advice that were given and go ahead and give us a, a five-star review. Um, if not, then, you know, you could just find Greg on Instagram and DM you, DM him your complaint. <laughs> I'll be here. <laughs> um, but yeah, nah, we really appreciate the support guys. Uh, it really means a lot. Um, and yeah, we'll just, we'll, we'll be back next show, uh. To talk about uh, part three, as we cover wide receivers, top threes, breakout sleepers, and busts. Yeah.